How are we doing guys? Welcome to episode four. This week's guest on the podcast goes by the name of CB. No, it isn't Chris Breezy, but he's a 18 year old kid from out in the States. Very, very mature for his age, very wise for his age. And we all mutually came across him actually through Clubhouse. So every two weeks, the TCC as a collective run a Clubhouse session Friday at 8pm. And he attends sometimes and drops an insane amount of value. So we thought we'd reach out to him get him on the podcast, have a full-blown discussion and get his thoughts on the current market and where he sees it going. And he also tells his journey a bit because you don't generally come across an 18-year-old trader with the amount of experience that he has every day. Fun little fact for you, he actually discovered Bitcoin when he was nine years old. So yeah, very, very interesting guy. And yeah, we get his thoughts on the market sentiment and he drops a pretty insane Bitcoin projection as well for next year. So do stay tuned for that. I'm going to leave it there. Here's a little snippet of what to expect. My journey in Bitcoin, it started pretty early. I was around, I would say like nine years old. You know, the saying, you know, the bull market is not done until nobody thinks it's done. The moment when everybody thinks that it's over, probably one of the best buying opportunities, considering how quick it fell. People don't like being told it's range bound and until we're out of this range, nothing's changing. People don't want to hear that. They're like, are we going up or they're going down? I just had a lunch with someone from TCC just now and, and I told them, look, until we break 42 on Bitcoin, nothing really we can do. You can make more mistakes than you can going fishing for things that aren't there. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode four of the Crypto Circle podcast. Bitcoin currently trading at around about $34,000. So seeing a nice little rebound from a couple of days ago after we dropped to around about 28K. So that's good to see. Amish, you want to do the, do you want to do the honors this time around again, bro? Yeah, I will do. I mean, it seems like this season is almost, you know, just me having a couple of my friends on and just having a chat with them. And I'm, I'm very lucky that <laughs> just like you and James and Corian, you know, I've just got some, you know, very, very knowledgeable and, and, you know, respected people in this space that I, I generally call as friends. So our guest today goes by the name of CB and it's, it's quite a, a unique, you know, working friendship, I say, that I'd, ha- I'd have with him, with him because came across him through some sort of mutual, you know, online trading platform, should we say, probably two or three years ago. And we've always had these kind of sporadic, very deep and very insightful conversations, if you like. And I think one thing that and I'm sure it will come across today is one thing that, you know, struck out to me from very, very early on was how mature he was for his age, how kind of, you know, he had a kind of way of thinking and a way of viewing things in a very kind of objective and mature manner through a very, very, very volatile and emotionally driven space. So I'm just going to leave it as that. And and hopefully this conversation will, you know, reflect those kind of qualities and, and why I wanted to have him on the on the podcast. So CB, welcome. Give us a little bit about yourself. I know you're kind of in Vegas right now. So give us a little bit of insight into, into who you are and, and how we kind of got here, if you want. Thank you, Amish. Well, I'll actually start off by saying uh, I respect everything you guys are doing. I've been following, yeah, Amish for the, you know, we've been keeping up with each other for the past couple of years. So it's great to be on and having this conversation with you guys, just being on and just being able to chat it up with you guys. So my journey in Bitcoin, it started pretty early. I was like around, I would say like nine years old. At a very young age, I was actually just interested into tech. I was like a big tech person always. So, you know, I'm just casually just like I have like we had a, a computer at home. So it was just like I would search like all day. I'll just study you know, how code and, you know, different corners and different niches of the tech world. So eventually I found Bitcoin through the discovery of YouTube. And there was this YouTuber in specific, he would actually do videos, but they weren't related to Bitcoin. But eventually through that, I found Bitcoin and I was just like, wow, this, this is like internet money, but I wasn't really too phased. I believe like this time it was around like what, $20. I was like, wow, that's very expensive. Right. Imagine that. $20 $20 being expensive <laughs> for a Bitcoin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Bitcoin, yeah. Yeah. So like, I was just like, okay, how can I get some Bitcoin for free? So I was just like, or like, how can I earn Bitcoin? So I eventually found this Bitcoin faucet and that's where I got my first Bitcoin. I believe it was like at the time the faucet was giving out 0.001 Bitcoin. I remember that. 
I remember yeah, that web page where you like you 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 click the capture and it kind of it, it would give you bitcoins for free. That's crazy. Yeah, I would I would literally do that every day until I could make my first bitcoin purchase, which was at the age of thirteen. And at this time, bitcoin was like around two hundred dollars. So I was just like hearing people making money from it. I was like, wow. I saw the entire. I, I got to actually witness the entire like twenty fourteen bull run. So I was just like, wow people are making money off of this. It went from $20 to $1,000 in a matter of like eight months at the time. So I was very intrigued by its price movement. So that's what got me interested in making my first investment, getting my first Bitcoin. And at the time, like I was also into other, I was, I was basically an entrepreneur by like middle school. So like at the time I bought my first Bitcoin, I was in middle school and I already had e-commerce running. So I was making, you know, a good amount of money on e-commerce. So what I would do is I would buy Bitcoin with that. So I ended up buying Bitcoin and then I ended up later discovering other cryptos like XRP and the likes, Ethereum. I ended up investing into those pretty early as well. So I believe once what happened once I got done with e-commerce, I got into YouTube after I did e-commerce. Nice. Because e-commerce at the time, it was drying up. So I was just like, okay, I want to keep stacking up my crypto holdings. So I ended up doing YouTube. I ended up making some money off of that. But eventually I ended up saving that money to get into the trading field. And that's where things really started kicking off because my first few years, I didn't really take it all that serious. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to observe this. I made a lot of mistakes, you know, with poor risk management. You know, all of the all of the traditional things that a beginner trader runs into. So so the so I believe like it was like after the summer of 2018 is when things started getting a lot serious. I actually started day trading Bitcoin. I was getting to know the Bitcoin market throughout its entire bear market that eventually got me enough skill to actually day trade Bitcoin regularly and get into algorithmic trading. Nice, bro. Nice. That, that sounds fascinating. Nine years old, man. Nine years old when you yeah. first discovered Bitcoin. That's, that's, that's a long yeah. time ago for us, man. Not even a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. like, put yourself in, that, in them shoes, man, like being nine years old and discovering something like that. Like, what would you even think about it? I don't know. I was outside uh, playing yeah. football in the park, man. I don't Yeah, like I said, you know, when I initially discovered it, I was just like, oh, you know, this this is like different. This is just different money. Because at the time, you know, I knew about PayPal. I knew about other services yeah. used to send money. Everybody was making a big deal over PayPal, you know. Did, did you understand the potential, like, from the jump and be like, okay. Yeah. I did not. I really didn't. I was okay. just like, okay. okay, okay, this is just, I was like, okay, this is just like some, I was just thinking of it as like game tokens or something. Mm-hmm. You, know, yeah. you know, with me being, you know, that age, you know. And I was being seeing it used for my favorite video games to like get, you know, certain merchandise from the game. I was like, okay, these are probably just like game tokens. I didn't see the full potential until I actually started studying it at the age of 13. So my question real quick for you, CB, is this like, all right, so you said it was more of a game token thing than a financial platform or financial vehicle for you to use later on. Where did your financial background of understanding money or how to make money, was that all just self-taught off of YouTube or does that come from your family somehow historically? Where did that come from? Just you understanding finance to switch from playing games to making money. Yeah, that that money mentality, like getting that, that's actually very natural in my family. My family is actually full of just, you know, it's like it's a middle it's a it's a middle ground of working class and entrepreneurs so it's just like i get to see both of those sides about uh, making money so it's like naturally i had that calling i i remember you know getting most of my inspiration from my brothers they're young entrepreneurs themselves so i always wanted to be able to do that as well nice bro that's nice really nice i think everyone i think everyone has an influence right or an inspiration in their lives anyone that says that they've yeah. just they've done it on their own or like you know they just got the will inside them themselves yeah. i think they're lying you know then, everyone's got yeah. some sort of inspiration and then it was just through that you know i ended up just yeah that's when that self-learning journey started i've been pretty much self-taught since then Sick, uh, man. i've just been picking up from you know just everybody learning from my own mistakes as well mm. 
Interesting, bro. Interesting. Tell us a little bit about Nebula then. What's Nebula all about? Right now, I don't really have many plans for Nebula right now. But basically what Nebula is, it's a, it's a crypto-based fintech startup. I really won't say much about it. No, no, that's fine. I oh, do exactly. have future plans for it. I just won't say much right now because okay, got you. I'm not really one to over-promise and under-deliver. No, no, no. Uh, because it... it there's an explanation to it, really, because of you know how I was introduced to algorithmic trading. It caused me to put everything on hold because my original roadmap for Nebula was not algorithmic trading based. It wasn't fintech based. So yeah, I ended up just completely switching around the roadmap. Mm-hmm. And I'm currently developing and just planning that right now. So yeah. Nice, man. Nice. I think I think we just need to remind the listeners of how old this guy is. Did you did you want to confirm your age, bro? Because I think some of the stuff that you've already told us, like you'd seem like you'd be an older person. Yeah, I am 18 years old. There you go. Like, wow. Okay. Guys, <laughs> what 18-year-old do you know that's doing what my yeah. mom's doing right now, C B? Not only just that, like to piggyback on the, you know, just the youth. It's something that I think we've mentioned before in previous podcasts where a lot of times, whether it be on Twitter or whether it be on different social media accounts, we understand that a lot of people who are behind these accounts a lot of times are very young people, right? And so to have someone who's also very young as well, but has that mature mindset is just very positive for the space to say, okay, well, this is a young person as well who understands this, but at the same time has a mature perspective about it, being that, like we say, a lot of these kids sometimes, you know, may get their parents' debit card and, you know, open up a Twitter account, open up a crypto trading account and do what they do and influence their friends. But just, you know, to have someone who's actually mature in the space that also I feel personally has the years of experience, you know, who's very knowledgeable about it. So that just, that just, you know, I commend you for that, for sure. You're a pioneer in the youth, you know, in the youth. And and I think one, you know, unlike traditional markets, age doesn't matter. You know, you're not going to look at anyone in this space now and be like, I'm not going to take you seriously because of how old you are. You know, sometimes it's the other way around because a lot of the younger people, especially with, you know, Earth 2.0 and all this, you know, NFTs and things like that, the the youth actually understand it better than, you know, old, older investors, older traditional investors do. So I don't think that that comes as a disadvantage. And we definitely don't look at anyone any differently, you know, now just because of how old they are. Absolutely. And it's even with that goes back to when I remember when I first mentioned like, you know, I didn't want people looking at my age when I got started, you know, in entrepreneurship. And now understanding, you know, even I found out about crypto, about someone who's like six years younger than me. And when we were moving forward with, you know, just understanding crypto and understanding these different type of things, that's kind of like, you know, goes back to, you know, Amish when we were younger, you know, when we learned about the cell phone. And maybe our parents was like, no, nah, I don't want to really deal with it. Or people didn't want to even put their, debit card information on the internet but we were like no it's just easy it doesn't matter and i just feel like this is something for us that we're getting older and understanding like okay we still have to go back and stay relevant to what's new no that's a really good point amish that you kind of kicked off with there about age and things like that yeah i definitely feel like you know the the youth are going to push forward like i I feel like in about 10 years time i'm not going to know anything like what's going on you know what i mean in about 20 years time maybe maybe 10 years a bit Tens a bit pushing it, but I feel like in 20 years time, I'm not going to know what's probably going on in the tech world. And my kids are probably going to be the ones coming to me like, Hey dad, look at this, look at this cool app that I found on my phone. It does this and it does that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, nice. And I'm still here on Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram and, <laughs> and, they're, on, and they're on the next new thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting. CB man. So you went from Bitcoin day trading. When did you start actually trading Forex? It was actually around the same time I started trading Bitcoin. Oh, really? Well, I started trading Bitcoin just a little bit earlier than I traded Forex. So when I when I got serious, that was around the time I started really, really Forex trading, which was around summer 2018. Mm-hmm. That's when I started my Instagram. And what, what would you describe your trading style as, do you think? Because obviously you, you've kind of spoken to us and you just mentioned previously okay, so a little bit like your yeah, algo trading is the kind of way you kind of try to approach things. I approach a trading star with the with adaptability. So obviously for myself to speak with so much experience, this may not relate to other 
people or maybe even if they're just starting out. But initially, my trading style was an intraday trading style. But eventually, I've worked myself up to be able to swing, scalp, and intraday trade based on the market conditions that I'm aware of. Nice. Nice. Interesting, bro. Do you just want to actually, because I'm pretty new to all this, but do you want to kind of describe what algo trading actually is? Because I'm sure myself and some of the other yeah. listeners probably have so, no clue what it means or what it does. Yes. What it means. So a basic overview of algorithmic trading is it's basically a computer that places trades for you in the simplest form. It's a it's a computer. It can basically manage risk. You know, algorithms, they do a lot of things and they basically make up about 70 percent of all market volume. They do many things. They can manage risk. They can hedge risk. They can be used for many or different order types. I know algorithms are used in automated market models as well. Automated market making as well to come up with fair pricing as well. That's what I do know. But yeah, in the simplest form, algorithms are just simply computers that interact with the market. And and what's the benefit to using that approach versus a manual approach? The only disadvantage I'd view from using algo trading to manual trading is can an algorithm understand sentiment in the market? Can it understand like fundamentals and things like that, which which could potentially like the China news, for example, that happened with Bitcoin and the Elon yeah. stuff like that? Can it predict those kind of things? There are ways that algorithms can be used with market sentiment, but that is more advanced. You know, I would have to dive into things like neural networks and machine learning. That's another thing that are that's used in algorithms to look at market sentiment fundamentals and combine that with the data that's coming out with price data as well. There are many things that traders use to develop an edge with algorithms. It really just depends on the trader and what they're looking for. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Guys, what do you think? There's there's a lot of terms there. I think retailer almost looking at algo trading and thinking you know, what is it they're doing over there? Is, is, is Do I need to be involved in that? Can I be involved in that? You know, what's the, what's almost the transition from sort of being a retail investor trader, if you like, into starting, I mean, do, do you, you know, just for, for including myself, people who don't have a great understanding of, of algo trading, how easy is it to kind of transition over? Is it a case of kind of building your own? Is it a case of actually using other people's algos? What's that actual process like? That's actually a very good question, Amish. So basically, I made my transition from retail. I'm, I won't even say retail trading because I'm still a retail trader. I'll call it discretionary trading. I made my transition from discretionary trading to uh, algorithmic trading around, it was around January, all of, I believe January to February of 2020. That's when I really started to get into algorithms. I started to learn Python around April. That was the first step uh, was learning Python. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely say if you're a beginner in this, if coding is not for you right now, it, this may be bound to change in the future. But if coding is not for you, you can still probably get into algorithmic trading. I, I believe KuCoin, they have their uh, trading bots as well. I haven't personally tried them out. I've had a partner try them out and he made some pretty decent money with them, but I can't really vouch for it. But my only my only way of transitioning was to actually learn coding and how it worked. And it wasn't really necessarily an easy learning curve. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily the most simple. But then again, I guess with the proper guidance and if there was somebody, someone to actually teach you or if you took a straightforward course, it may be easier. I have a quick question. Um, as far as the results, right? And the results that you get from this algorithmic trading versus just the manual style that most of us are familiar with, would you say someone who creates this already has a high level of rent rate before they create this? Or do you feel Mm. like it's just like anybody comes up with it? Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a pretty, 
It's a pretty interesting topic, actually. It's a, I see it as a double-edged sword. There mm-hmm. can be people with terrible win rates and still make algos. I've actually seen that, you know, but discretionary traders, I've I've seen only one discretionary trader with a 100% win rate. And that's one of my closest friends, Sneaky. One of my close trading friends, you know, we 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 started, we didn't really start our journey together, but he started his journey in around uh, 2019 and uh, he basically built his way up. But that's the only way, like there were some discretionary traders that I've seen with 100% win rates and there's some algo traders that I've seen with terrible win rates. So I don't think win rate really takes a factor into algorithmic trading skill or or the person building an algo. I don't think it really says a lot about the person building the algo. It depends on what they're programming into the algo uh, because Mm -hmm. some strategies, they can't necessarily be repeated. Some strategies are only built to react to the market and not the outcome. You know, the way in an algo works is it also reacts to the outcome. So if they it can't react to the outcome and to build better hypotheses, then I'm not sure how that would necessarily work. So essentially, from my perspective, you're essentially just tr- coding your trading style into an algorithm. Am, am I correct in saying that? Yes, for the most part, uh, yeah. it depends on if it's programmable, if it works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in trading, really in my in my own circle and in my we we basically say one thing, it either works or it doesn't. So we look at everything like that. So if something works, it doesn't. Or if it does, it does. So it really just depends. Mm. I've seen like loads of these YouTubers before, right? They, uh, they well, you know, you get those those got those guys who run hundreds of thousands of subscribers and they're like, I'm gonna turn a hundred thousand pound account into a million pound account. And I've watched the videos, I've clicked on it, and they just download random algorithms from you can you can I'm pretty sure you can, right? You can download these random algorithms yeah. from yeah, Google. Random meta trader for EAs. I've had my fair share of those. I'm not a big fan. Yeah. And yeah, just, just from the video as well, like the results weren't that great. He was making, it was very on and off. Some days he'd make they're a profit, very, some days he'd make a loss. They're very uh, basic yeah. scripts. They're not, you know, it's not really a system. I wouldn't really rely on that to turn something so, so insignificant. Well, I'm not going to say so insignificant, but I'm uh, something so small into something so significant, you know? Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't rely on a simple script that would find, you know, whether this this candle is a bullish engulfing because you know it's it, when you get into algorithmic trading, it's more than just that. You're also considering the data behind the candlesticks. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You might as well you might as well just trade manually, right? Instead of using those yeah, simple it, basic it's, scripts. It's a lot more simple. It's a lot more simple to 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 trade manually. Yeah, right exactly. Now. Makes sense. Makes sense, man. Right now, with the way the kind of Bitcoin price action is, is this like a trader's paradise for you? Is this like paradise for you trading with your algorithm in this kind of environment, this range bound kind of environment with Bitcoin? Well, right now, I'm not really trading with an algorithm. Okay, you just might. Manually right now, I'm taking a break from trading and I'm just focusing on development. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, research, that's what I spend most of my time on to find very good opportunities, setups, and, you know, emerging markets and stuff like that. So right now I'm not trading with an algorithm. So I will, but I will say that right now it's a, it's a very good place to be for crypto. You, you kind of followed up very well into what I was going to say next. And kind of, do you want to, do you want to expand on that a little bit more? Why is crypto uh, a good place to be well, right now? Because a lot of people think it's all doom and gloom right now. So I'll, why, I'll why is it a good perspective? I'll let you expand on that. Now, I, I'd love to hear your view, bro, because these listeners hear our views every week, man. So I'd love to get a fresh perspective on it. Well, personally, I, I don't think that, well, I've seen a lot of, I've studied a lot of the market sentiment over the past week since the dip has happened. And it's actually been pretty interesting that every, well, not every, I won't say everybody, but most of the, most of the tweets and the Instagram posts and the Reddit posts and, you know, just the online trading community as a whole, you know, even others around me, there's just asking, is Bitcoin done? Is Bitcoin dead is is crypto dead alts somehow you know i I found some alts back at their all-time lows so i find this rather an interesting thing and i believe 
this actually ties into something that I said around, I believe it was March or April. I actually had an initial target of 100K before summer. Unfortunately, that didn't happen and the timing was off. We ended up we ended up getting a correction, which I was expecting over summer. I expected a bearish uh, correction over summer. And I believe that we're running a cycle that's pretty similar. Actually, if I pull up, pull up the chart, because I believe that a lot of people are looking at the, the past cycle, if they look at charts at all, they're looking at the past cycle and they're going off of that exact price action and saying, hey, the bear market is over. But I do kind of seeing... I, I do kind of see us mimicking an accumulation period that was in crypto, uh, actually was, was on Bitcoin before. Uh, I'm, I'm actually trying to pull up the chart right here. 2013, are you talking about 2013? I was talking, yeah, I was talking about that 2013 period of accumulation. I've been yeah, watching yeah, yeah. that for months yeah. and I believe we're playing something out like that, especially with alts being at their all time lows. Nothing really fundamentally has changed, at least from my point of awareness. Hmm. Inflation is still happening. Miners are moving out of China, which I believe a lot of the attention is focused on the miners moving out of China. But I do believe that that's better for Bitcoin because yeah. that's actually decentralizing Bitcoin even more. 100%. Mm -hmm. So I believe with miners moving from China to Texas, of course, we all we have our problems with our power grid in the United States. That also raises a concern for not necessarily the near future, I would expect, but maybe sometime in, into the further future. But I believe this is a this is a good time for Bitcoin and crypto in general. Mm. Generally, like so someone said it to me the other day, like generally when you get a 40, 50 percent correction in Bitcoin, when is it not a good time to buy? Exactly. You know? Yeah, like anytime you get a correction of this size, it's always like a great time and to buy. And yeah, and we're and I'm viewing this exactly as that. It's really just the fifty percent correction. Mm. And I think yeah, I think you're spot on, man, with what you were saying before. Because I've said this before as well. A lot of people were looking at past cycles and looking for data there. And what what a lot of people saw was the yeah. thirty forty percent corrections. Everyone was only expecting thirty forty percent. And when it hit fifty, I think that's where everyone panicked a little bit. But I'm seeing things yeah. similarly to you in regards to 2013. I think this. This cycle seems a lot more like 2013 in regards to the double bubble kind of effect, right? We had like yeah. a big, we had a big increase in 2013. The bubble exactly. popped essentially. We had like a 60, 70% correction, went into a long accumulation period, and then we did a 10x up to $1,000 in 2013. So I'm viewing it quite closely and similarly to that. Yeah. And there's another thing I like to note out as well as a algorithmic trader with just a little bit of experience. I'm not going to talk like, you know, I have a bunch of experience because truthfully is I'm, I'm just like one year plus into this. So, but from my own experience of data cleansing and actually interacting with chart information, a lot of the history, it repeats itself until it doesn't. So the same thing that you may see before, and this is just a, a general message to everybody. Okay. Anybody listening to this, a lot of this data, it, it repeats itself until it doesn't. So what happened before may not happen you know, again, you know, in the, ex in the same exact pattern as you thought. I believe when we were on Clubhouse, I don't, I don't know how long it was ago, but one of our Clubhouse talks, I said the Bitcoin bull run, it could possibly extend into 2022. That's mm -hmm. kind of what I mean uh, by that. I know that maybe many expect the bull run to end around this year. Probably, it probably won't. It probably will. But at the end of the day, Nobody really knows what happens. And really, it's all about using the best probabilities to spot the best, the most likely opportunities. Is it, I mean, what I take from that is that, you know, again, the way the blueprint is, is, is structured and presented is that so far in Bitcoin's history, we've moved in these four year cycles. So mm -hmm. if we were to continue that, then this is what would happen. However, yeah it's not guaranteed. It's like it, exactly. it, it, history suggests it does, but it doesn't mean that it will. Yeah. And exactly. I've been watching the crypto blueprint from the outside looking in. It's looked like it's been playing out pretty well so far. And yeah, and I think Dylan's, I mean, I was speaking to Dylan about this the other day and, and he's very much along the lines of the 2013. I think, I think this cycle has shown characteristics of 
both of the previous two. Yeah. So a lot of people are looking at the last cycle. Some people are going further back. And so it's, it's, and if you look at price action, it's literally in between the two, right? So again, we always say is it past, what is it past performance is not indicative of, of, you know, future performance. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I think we are seeing characteristics of both of the previous two cycles play out in this one. Mm. Yeah, and in terms of even if we speak on market sentiment, mm. you know, the saying, you know, the, the bull market is not done until nobody thinks it's done. The moment when everybody thinks that it's over, probably one of the best buying opportunities, considering how quick it fell. In the amount of time. Yeah, that's what we said. That's just the speed at which it it fell. That's what we said this week. Yeah, exactly. And it didn't really undo a whole lot of price action. No. Mm. In terms of if we're just speaking on Bitcoin and not altcoins, because altcoins, that's a whole different ballgame. What do you think about altcoins now? Like you said, they're at their all-time lows now. Do you see money kind of flowing back into Bitcoin short term? Like, and, and we kind of almost start this mini cycle again of money flowing to Bitcoin and altcoins again? Or do you just think altcoins and Bitcoin will like kind of maybe potentially rise together if Bitcoin continues its, its trajectory upwards? I believe altcoins are going to rise with Bitcoin mm-hmm. on its way back up. I believe retail interest is a lot more broad now. So I believe those options, uh, but of course, you know, it, it also depends on the institutional money as well that wants to flow into that Ethereum as well. And there has been some whales buying Ethereum during this dip. So I do see, I can, I can, in a, I can in a way see another DeFi bubble coming yeah. if we keep that up, you know? Yeah, that's that. That's interesting. I think we, we, we were discussing this the other day as well. I mean, I'm sure with, with a couple of guys. The other day on Bitfinex, there was a lot of, somebody was buying a lot of Ethereum on Bitfinex a, a couple of days ago. Yeah. And we believe, we believe it was Alameda because they were transferring a lot of, yeah. they were transferring some curve or something like some e- curve. Yeah, yeah. For some curve pulls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. It was really interesting, and they were nonstop. Like the price was crashing. This was two days ago when the when price went down to twenty eight thousand five hundred dollars, and these these bids just kept coming in stronger yeah. and stronger and stronger. It was yeah. relentless. So yeah, it definitely was some institution that was around eighteen hundred, wasn't it? They were literally like they were defending eighteen hundred, like like their lives depending on it. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you guys watch on chain data or not. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about yeah. that as well, bro. What's your thoughts on on chain was? Oh yeah, I I really uh, I'm a really big fan of on-chain data. I do I do believe it's uh, pretty beneficial. But if you guys have also been watching on-chain data, you'll actually see the amount of Bitcoin wallets with a thousand or a hundred Bitcoin. They've actually been ascending while prices has been have been going down. Yeah. So that's usually a, another indicator that prices could be heading north. I don't think it's going to make a quick recovery. I don't mm. think Bitcoin or or even altcoins or Ethereum are going to make such a quick recovery. I do, however, believe we can ascend our way slowly in the next coming uh, coming months back to our all-time high. Yeah, and that that'll be interesting when we get there. I think all eyes will be back on the back on the crypto market to some sense, to some extent when we kind of get back to those all-time highs. But at yeah. the same time as well, I feel like like you were saying, there's a lot more retail in the market right about now, but I also feel just to kind of play devil's advocate there, I feel like a lot of retail have just been shitted up like with this, with this correction and they're yep. probably not going to come back to the market until Bitcoin's at around about 70 to 80 K. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's that is exactly that. That's actually my targets. Those are actually my targets around when I right around, actually it was like around, let me look at my chart actually. It was around eighty to ninety thousand when I could see it going parabolic if we actually break those levels very clean and mm-hmm. just get very strong volume going through. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's that it's 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 very close to that kind of psychological hundred K number and a lot of people are expecting there's gonna be a lot of sell orders there. We already know hundred K is gonna reject. But if we do blow through that, then things are gonna get pretty hot pretty quick. Yep. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting. So what is your, you might as well just ask it, what is your Bitcoin, <laughs> what is your Bitcoin top prediction for this cycle? Just, you know, while we're here. Uh, about three to 400,000 in this cycle. Lord. 
That's a that, that's that's strong, bro. That's, that's, that's strong. That's that's making James. That's making James look uh, conservative, man. He he's he said this before, and I remember. He's, he's yeah, he said the it. same target. Yeah, I yeah, said it before. Three four hundred. Yeah, three four hundred. Okay, and so what? What's the reasoning behind that? Is it is it both fundamental and technical? Is it overshooting? Because it's, if you just um, got stop to flow like two eighty eight, that's not the top end target. That's the middle of the cluster. Yeah, I, isn't I, I it? Take, so I, of course, I take the uh, statistics into mm. consideration, but that's just a customized target based on my own. It's just it's just a number I really yeah. kind of threw out there based on the statistics I found. Okay, relating to you know. Bitcoin flows and, and stuff like that. Hmm. One thing again regarding on-chain. So one thing that we saw earlier was that stablecoin reserves are hitting all-time highs. Now, what is your interpretation of that on reserves uh, on through exchanges? Sorry. Yes, stablecoins a very strange, very strange place. Honestly, I I really I believe that's also bullish for Bitcoin because. If the stable coin reserves are at an all-time high, well, that that would mean that they they're printing a lot of them. That's that's not usually an indicator of further downside, for based mm-hmm. on past experience and past data. I'm going to throw a little bit of a spanner in because, to be honest, I've, I've noticed this this stable coin reserve metric. It's been going up since we've been seeing fresh all-time highs for a long time on that on that metric now. Probably since we've been at around 40, 50k as well. So I think with certain things like that, you have to take it with a pinch of salt as well. Doesn't necessarily mean we're going to kind of moon in the in the coming weeks or months, but it is oh, a general no. it is a general good indicator of kind of okay, money's sitting on exchanges or money's sitting here. So there's a potential for that to be put to use. But, yeah, that uh, yeah. Yeah, over the over the last kind of couple of days, actually, even I've noticed some on-chain providers, CryptoQuant to be kind of more specific, they tend to put out, and I, and I don't know what the motive is here, but they tend to be putting out bearish and bullish scenarios. So like one day they'd post something bullish, and the next day they'd post something bearish, and yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't I don't see what the motive is there behind that. It just shows they don't they don't have a clear understanding of of what's going on. And, and you know what? Someone asked me earlier and I said, you know what, mate, sometimes we'll put our hands up and be like, we don't really know what's going on. Not on the grand scheme of things, on the kind of smaller timeframes, on the, on the short term. The whole yeah. social media thing is, you know, people, they're afraid to say, I don't know what's going on or this is not part of the plan or this is not what I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what's going on, just say you don't know what's going on. Do you know what I mean? There's no, but we saw it and, it, and these are reputable, well, I use that term with, with air marks now, you know, people who have, you know, a big name in, in, in this kind of space and they're, they're changing their bias or they're presenting both sides of the argument or the, or the kind of bullish or bearish scenario, you know, on consecutive days. And it just shows that, you know, even even the people who are very experienced in this space are, are confused at the last couple of weeks. No, you're very, you're very spot on there, man. And I think for crypto quant as well, like companies like this, I don't think they should be taking sides. I I just don't think it's morally, ethically correct. This this is not a dig at at crypto quant. This is a very generic, you know, saying, but we have noticed that in the last couple of days. Definitely. Yeah, I mean they've got yeah. they've got they've got forty five thousand subscribers mm. on mm. on Telegram, right? That's a lot of people, man. And and, and, pe- and I remember once, I think it was a couple of months ago, they posted like there was a huge inflow of Bitcoin into an exchange, and that caused a bit of a sell off in the market. I remember. So there are people who are taking this this data and actually acting upon it, like in real time. So they need to be a bit careful. Like this is why I prefer places places like Glassnode. Glassnode don't really give a bias; they just present you with the data and then leave it and, up to you to make your assumptions. You interpret you interpret from there, yeah. Yeah, and that and that's how it should be, especially like yeah. I just, I, I just don't think it's do you, correct. Do you guys think that like just as far as like with all of these different articles that come out, that people just get to a point where you know, like over the past, like I would say, couple few weeks, right? There hasn't really been much to do and or to analyze, depending on what time frame you're looking at. Right. Do you feel like some people in this space they go, they go looking being, for stuff? Yeah, they go looking for stuff. Yeah. And so they just get to a point where they're just like, I have to say something, right? I yeah. have to yeah. give yeah. you a bias one way or the other. I can't just say, like, you know, sometimes we'll come out and say, All right, right now we don't know what's going on. Yeah. This is what's happening. Do you feel like these people feel obligated to have something to say? 
me and Dylan had a chat yesterday and we won't mention any names, but people don't like being told it's range bound. And until we're out of this range, nothing's changing. People don't want to hear that. They're like, oh, we're going up or they're going down. You know, I will say... I was just trying to think about who you're on about. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not go there. I think the one thing that I found is when it goes up, when it goes down, it's fine. But when it's sideways, that's when I used to personally struggle the most because you're like, well, I don't know what's going on. You know, why is this not do, it's like do something? You know, those memes where you like want to poke it and say, do something. And and yeah, you know, if, if it's nothing's going on, you know, yeah, you'll see dips into the sub 30s. But until, you know, I mean, I just had lunch with someone from TCC just now and and I told them, look, until we break 42 on Bitcoin, nothing really we can do. You can make more mistakes than you can going fishing for things that aren't there. Yeah. And patience is, you know, uh, people are in it as a long-term investment until they've got to sit on, you know, sideways action for three weeks. And then all of a sudden it's like, do something, do something. It's like, no, you know, three years, not three weeks, man. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Also, I think it also comes to, I was having this conversation earlier, I think it also comes to like how invested people are and ready for the results and just ready to make money or ready to see it at all time highs or ready for these things where, like you say, it becomes a period of impatience where you can't wait four to six weeks for something to, you know, make a direction. You know, like some people in those four to six weeks feel like, oh, well, I need these profits to do X, Y, and Z. Right. As opposed to, like we say all the time, it's a macro strategy, you know, and if you want to break it into smaller time frames, that's up to you. But at the same time, it's just be patient. Like we can't rush it because when it's going fast, that's when we're all like running around like, oh, my God, what's going on? You know, mm. Corian, man, you mentioned macro. So my, my kind of ears just kind of lit up a little bit there. My, my eyes just lit up a bit, but... <laughs> CB, man, that's actually something I just want to ask you actually quickly as well, because I know you kind of take quite a broad perspective on not just markets, but what's going on globally as well. So do you think because we're in unprecedented times right now, as people like to say, with kind of the amount of money that's being printed from central banks and things like that, do you see that being a potential blockage for Bitcoin kind of moving on to new highs and hitting the targets that you you kind of see? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I believe it'll actually be a catalyst uh, for yeah. further upside. Yeah. I mean, no, sorry, not, not so much the central banks printing money because we all know that's bullish for Bitcoin. When central reserve, banks print. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But like, do you see like other things happening in the world, like, like the inflationary pressures and like equity markets being at all time highs, looking very topish, things like that. Do you, do you see that any having any effect on the market potentially going forward? Because in 2013, 17, I don't think we had all, all these other kind of pressures from external markets coming in? I, I really only, as far as a U.S. indices, uh, because I, I do keep up with U.S. indices and the DXY. So really, I don't correlate. I really don't correlate the two. I really correlate the DXY with Bitcoin. Hmm. And where I see the DXY going, I believe will play some role into Bitcoin because I believe as, as the more money that they print and the more inflation that, that just keeps happening, the more impact that that's going to have on Bitcoin price, you could say, quote unquote, positive way. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, bro. I think at the moment, what we're seeing is, I think inflation's peaked, to be honest with you. I think it's generally after recession, what we do get is inflation kind of peaking and growth expectations peaking as well. And I think that's what we've had inflation peaking. People are getting a little bit too excited. And I think growth is going to slow down in the second half of this year. And you're already seeing now like central banks are starting to talk about potentially tapering their bond buying, bond buying program. And I think going into the second half of the year, that they're these guys thinking they're going to slow down their QE, I think they're going to have to start the machine and start ramping up again because economic growth is going to be lagging, I think. That's how I see it. And that's obviously yeah. going to be beneficial for equities, tech, Bitcoin, all sorts of things. And then obviously the dollar will eventually run but, back down to its lows a, and kind of take it out. There's another thing to also take into consideration is that I actually had a theory that the production rates being so high because they're they're about as high as the consumption rates. I do believe that a lot of that is being put on automation. And I believe that automation can help drive markets even higher. I believe, well, overall, actually, whether it drives the market higher or lower, I do believe it can have an effect on price. Mm -hmm. But I won't, I won't go as far as to say it will drive the market higher, though. 
Mm. I guess the, I guess the a, the old saying is always don't fight the Fed, you know, or don't fight the Fed, man. If yeah. the Fed if the Fed are adamant on something, then just leave them be, man. Let let them do their thing. Yeah. You know? Right, bro. Last thing I wanted to come on to was something that Amish mentioned to me. And I remember we had this conversation on a clubhouse once as well, when kind of alts were pumping and stuff. Tell us the story about how you got into Matic, man, that's so early because that's been a gem. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's Matic. been a gem. Matic, but- <laughs> That was a gem. Yeah, it was. I'm not really sure, actually. I actually knew about Magic in the 20, during the 2019 bear market. I just never invested into it mm. until I was actually looking on my entire list of alts because usually that's around the time I just put money into alts. So I start flowing money into alts because I was expecting all season. You know, it played out pretty well. Yeah. So I found Matic. What, what initially attracted me to Matic was uh, its its use case. It's a, it's it's like an internet of blockchains, and and the fact that it's it can be it can be used to scale the Ethereum network. I was just like, okay, you know, even before I looked into, it, I was like, okay, this this has a potential. All right, this has potential to to be pretty huge, mm-hmm. because especially with Ethereum scaling issues, I wouldn't say it was uh, luck per se, but it was it was definitely uh, one of my investments that i've slept on yeah I, I slept on matic i didn't expect it to do all of that no you, you did mention earlier on that you kind of got into quite a few projects quite early on like xrp ethereum things like that so i guess matic yeah, is just another uh, one of those ones that zen, you got into early it was you know zenfin it was a it was a few mm, interesting bro interesting guys do you want to add anything here before we wrap things up maybe Anything else we should be looking out for in terms of alt in that case? Have we missed anything or <laughs> while we're here? Do you know what I mean? No. No? <laughs> this isn't any financial advice. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> not financial advice. No. This is not financial advice. This is not financial advice. Maddox gonna do numbers. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, bro, just to kind of close it off, because it just it was just, just literally come to mind now. What's your thoughts on final question? A lot of people have been talking about this, the flipping. What, 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 what's, what's your, what's your thoughts on that and Ethereum kind of? Because there's obviously this EIP upgrade coming up. There's a lot of hype around Ethereum. Oh. I'm starting, I'm starting to see it on my social media I, now as I well. Haven't, I haven't been keeping up with the space, uh, no? so really, just fill me in on such flipping that people are speaking of. So obviously towards, before we saw this huge crash at the beginning, uh, middle of May or whenever it was, it uh, feels like a long time ago now, um, everyone was all talking about the flipping ETH, flipping BTC, number one market cap. Obviously since the crash, sentiment's been pretty bad, but I've started noticing last couple of days, last week or so maybe on my on my feeds, a lot of people are talking about EIP 1559 now because it is coming up within the next month, which is the next major Ethereum upgrade. And I feel like... I feel like there's a bit more momentum behind Ethereum than there is Bitcoin at the moment. And I feel like that could carry on throughout the end, towards the end of this year as well. What's your, what's your thoughts on kind of Ethereum going forward? I do. And I believe that there's more value that's being added on to Ethereum right now. That's not so quite catching up with Christ. Yeah, I agree with that. So with that being said, as, as far as the flipping, I, I, I assume from what, based on the things you said so far, I assume the flipping is when Ethereum takes over Bitcoin on the market cap, I believe, which, yeah. I, which I believe those games, I really don't play. I, I uh, personally, yeah, I'm not really interested. What happens, happens. I, I, you know how you guys know how I feel about XRP, right? And, you know, I'm a, I'm an avid fan of XRP. Even if that were to flip every single coin and be number one, I still wouldn't really care because at the end of the day, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily place any intrinsic value onto the coin, uh, any additional intrinsic value. As far as the flipping, I really don't have much to say about it. No, it's fine, mate. It's, 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 that's fine because it... <laughs> It's, very, it's, it's quite childish in a way, I think. Yeah. It'd be good to get your views on XRP in that case then, mate. If, where, where do you think we're at? And do you think it will, well, how do you think it'll play out for the next couple of months? It's pretty, uh, I, I'm indecisive on the entire thing. You know, mm. it's, you know, of course, with the SEC going back and forth constantly, you know, over, you know, the Ripple situation and, you know, and then I'm hearing Ripple, you know, they're they're going public and it's a mess pot right now with XRP, but I do see it thriving long term. It's it's one of those cases, like you guys said, 
you know, in the short term, we really don't know what's going on, but on the long term, here's the long term and it's, it's looking pretty good. What's the deal with the SEC case right now? Can you give us any? Because uh, I don't really follow it, to be honest with I you. Know, I haven't followed. You, I haven't you haven't been following, following it either. Okay. No, I haven't really been following it much either. Yeah, I think I've, been, I've s- been pretty much sticking on the sidelines for the most part. Okay, cool. No problems, man. No problems. I think ever since December, like when the, the hype was around the SEC case and the kind of lawsuit was all over social media, it has definitely died down and it's taken a backseat. Definitely. I don't think, I don't think anybody's really talking about it at the moment. Oh, no, I believe it's uh, sitting at what, like 60 cents. Uh, It dipped down all the way to like 50 cents. Yeah. Yeah. Seems. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, Well, man, I I, I wish all XRP holders well, man, in the future, but I I don't know. I don't know if they'll be getting a penny off me, man, anytime soon. Your thoughts are with (laughs) us, but not, not, not our, not our, not our money. Put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Our thoughts are with you, but I want it. Stay strong, stay strong guys and girls. Stay strong. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. CB, man, we, we, we appreciate your time, bro. It was great. It was great being on with you guys. Uh, Yeah, man. It was interesting. Discussions with you are always interesting, man. Guys, you want to add anything else before we wrap it up? Before we cloud closing words? You know, it's just a pleasure to have you on, man. Like yeah. I said, it's just always great to, you know, have a yes. conversation with someone that has a different perspective, but also is very knowledgeable about the space as a whole. And, you know, I, I'll pass by in Vegas sometime. You know, I'm always looking for somewhere else <laughs> to go. So, you know, <laughs> give you a shout. Corinne, I don't think, and I said it with all due respect, I don't think CB is even old enough to go to the places that you take him in Vegas, ironically. So, <laughs> listen, that's all right. I can scale it down. <laughs> now, honestly, man, it was really good. I, always, always a pleasure talking with you. And I, I think you're someone in this space who we'll, we'll definitely be in close contact with over the next couple of years. So, no, really appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. I feel like he's going to be someone who's going to keep going to keep close in contact with, but I feel like he's going to be somebody in the space to keep an eye on as well. Hundred percent, you're doing things, man, and it's good to see, bro, especially yeah. someone of your age. And and you have all our support all the way, hundred percent. Likewise, likewise. Yeah. Just one last thing. Um, happy belated birthday, Dylan. I know uh, yesterday was quite. Ah, cheers, brother. <laughs> Just... happy happy yesterday was quite an interesting day on 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 many many fronts, but um, oh, yeah, bro. Uh, happy, happy birthday. Appreciate that, bro. Appreciate that, man. For sure. So, well, well, one, one more, one more number away from the big thirty, man. And down oh, we'll, 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 this time next year, man, we'll uh, we'll be in a we'll be in a better place. Trust me. I'll be part of the club. Oh man. yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. <laughs> right, guys, it's been a pleasure. Love, send it. Send it. Send it. Send it. Send it. Send it.